0: Let's turn together to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Are you turning? Let me ask you a question. What do you know and understand about the biblical doctrine of the Trinity? I know that we have all heard it. You Know that we are supposed to believe it because we are Trinitarians But do you have a comfortable understanding? a crisp understanding in your own mind of what the Bible teaches with regard to the Trinity now the title of my message this evening is Trinitarian grace and I want you to follow me carefully through the scriptures and I want you to see that we worship one God in the Trinity, or the Triunity of His sacred persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we adore each as the God of all grace by whom we are saved. Now I want you to see this clearly in the Scriptures, but let's look at Ephesians 1 for our starting point. In verse 3, the Apostle says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now in those verses, we see that God the Father is the fountain of all grace in verse 3. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places from eternity. And that God the Son is the medium of all grace, the mediator of all grace. We have been blessed with all these spiritual blessings in Christ, by whom we have redemption through his blood. And that God the Holy Spirit is the effectual applier of all grace, in whom... After that, we believed we were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, let me make three statements this evening. I'm going to be as brief as I possibly can, and I certainly don't want to weary you with just terms and words, but I want you to follow me carefully, particularly with regard to this first point. Number one, I want you to see that the Bible clearly teaches the doctrine of the Trinity, now, I heard brother Mahan say on more than one occasion That that man is a fool Who denies the doctrine of the Trinity and that man is equally a fool who tries to explain it? So lest I be numbered among foolish men. I will make no effort to explain the Trinity I just want to show you that it is clearly taught in the Word of God Let me give you some definitions from other men that perhaps will help you in your thinking When we say that we are we believe in the Trinity of the divine persons What do we mean by that statement? We do not mean now listen carefully. We do not mean that there are three equal but separate gods We do not mean that there is one God manifest in three personalities and those are both things that are taught by heretical groups. Some, some teach that there are three separate but equal gods. Others teach what we call Jesus-only theology, and that is that there, are, there is one God manifest in three personalities. What we mean is this. We worship one God in three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the best definitions you'll ever read of the Trinity is found in Webster's Dictionary. Noah Webster described it this way. It is the union of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in one Godhead, so that all three are one God as to substance, but three persons as to individuality. Up close to where I live is the Southern Baptist Seminary at Louisville. And though it has long since forsaken its principles, the principles upon which it was founded The principles of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary Describe the doctrine of the Trinity in these words God is revealed to us as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Each with distinct attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being One more definition in his systematic study of theology A. H. strong who was a uh, professor of theology in the late 1800s at Union Theological Seminary uh, perhaps early 1900s uh, who tried to stem the tide of some of the evolutionary philosophies and so forth but in the process made compromise he did have some very clear statements concerning doctrine and in in his uh, theology book he says in the nature of the one God There are three eternal distinctions, which are represented to us under the figure of persons, and these three are equal. Now I give you those definitions, one, to clarify the clear message of the Trinity, and two... To show you how infinitely above us our God is. So that the very best of men, both in the scriptures and in other literature, stretch for words to try to describe God to us. So I'm not about to... to give you all the detailed information there is concerning God. He is infinite. But I want us to grasp clearly the doctrine of Holy Scripture with regard to the person of our infinite and glorious God. Now, we worship one God who subsists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, equal in all things. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. This is the doctrine we teach your pastor teaches it we heard him in a prayer just a little bit ago Speak of the election of the father the redemption of the son and the call of the spirit We give the benedictions of grace through the father the son and the Holy Spirit We sing praise God from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below Praise him above ye heavenly host father son and Holy Ghost so that by history and tradition we are indeed trinitarians but is this the doctrine of the bible that's the question must be answered does the word of god itself teach the doctrine of the trinity now it does not matter what the opinions of men are what does god himself say Children of God grasp this now in all things in all things the basis of our faith is not history nor is it the accepted customary opinions of our peers but the basis of our faith is what does God say in his word is this message taught in the scriptures well let's look in the Word of God there is one plain clear statement 1st John chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. There is one plain, crystal clear statement of the doctrine of the Trinity in all the New Testament. Now, if you have a modern translation of the scriptures at home, any of them, doesn't matter which one, you will find that 1 John 5, 7 has been eliminated in all modern translations. It has either been eliminated or the translators put it in and said it really ought not be there, but we're going to put it in to suit you. And they'll have a footnote down at the bottom say this really ought not be here. Well, the text ought to be here. Our King James translators have given us the received text translation, which has been preserved by God for us, and I highly commend to you that you adhere to the reading and study of the translation you have in your hands. Now, I'm not a linguistic expert. I know a little bit of Greek, and I can tell you from what I know and from my own study and understanding of the Scriptures, there is not a better translation for you to use than what your pastor just read from. It's the best there is. Now, 1 John 5, 7 states this doctrine of the Trinity, and the Arians and Socidians, that is, folks who deny the doctrine of the Trinity, are their stepchildren in our day, or the Russellites and the Mormons, they would do everything possible to expunge this text from the Word of God because it plainly states the doctrine and it states it in clearer, more precise, more understandable terms than any theology book I've ever read. John Gill's Body Divinity is... Perhaps the best theology book I've ever read at least in my opinion. He has I think 265 double-column tiny print pages on the Trinity. I've read them numerous times and frankly when I lay it down, I Scratch my head and think to myself why on earth do you write that? (laughs) Why on earth do you write because I I haven't yet grasped what he was saying and then I turn to first John 5 7 I can grasp what this says for there are three that bear record in heaven The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now that plainly declares that God the Father is God, God the Son, who is called in the epistle of John and in the gospel of John the Word, the one by whom God is revealed, He is God, and God the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter of God's elect, He is God, three distinct persons, and yet these three distinct persons are one God. In addition to this definitive statement, there are numerous, numerous examples in which the Trinity is set before us. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. Let's look at a few of them. Matthew the third chapter. When our Lord Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three present. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. Jesus when he was baptized went up straightway out of the water and lo the heavens were opened unto him And he saw the spirit descending like a dove lighting upon him and lo a voice from heaven saying This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased So here is John the Baptist baptizing the Lord Jesus and as the Lord Jesus is coming up out of the water this man This man who walked on the earth as a real man, who is now today seated in glory as a real man, this man who suffered and died as our substitute, John the Baptist looked at him as he's coming up out of the water, and he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, This man is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The only one in whom I am well pleased. Now, look at Matthew 28. When this man the Lord Jesus was about to leave us When he was about to leave this earth and ascend back into glory He gave his disciples a commission And he gives them a baptismal formula Which is to be practiced and obeyed by all who follow him In Matthew 28 and verse uh, uh, verse 18 The Lord Jesus came and spoke unto them saying All power is given unto me In heaven and in earth Go ye therefore Go since I have all power Go ye therefore into all nations And teach all nations baptizing them In the name of the Father And of the Son And of the Holy Ghost That's strange isn't it the way he said that Baptizing them in the name Not the names but in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Why did he put it that way? Because there is one God, who is three distinct persons, but that those three distinct persons are but one God. And so we baptize men and women upon their profession of faith in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The Apostle Paul gives this apostolic benediction, and it's not just here, but customary throughout the New Testament epistles. But here in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, the benediction is very clear. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. And then one other text in this regard. Turn to John chapter 14. John the 14th chapter. What I'm trying to show you is that the scriptures continually give us illustration after illustration after illustration of the doctrine of the Trinity. Here in John 14, our Lord Jesus is speaking again as he's about to leave the world. And he says to his disciples in verse 16, I, the Son, will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Now the words another is a significant word. In Galatians chapter 1, do you remember where Paul said concerning the Judaizers, the legalists, those who preach another gospel? That word he says, when he says it's another gospel which is not another, he says it is another gospel. Of a totally different kind. Which is not another. That is it is not even similar to this gospel. So but when our Lord Jesus speaks here. And speaks of another spirit. The word another here is a totally different word. It means another exactly like me. Another of exactly this kind. He says, I, the Son of God, will pray to the Father who is God and he will send you another comforter just like me who is also God, even the Spirit of truth. And he will guide you into all truth. So the New Testament declares that God the Father is God. You can look at it in Romans 1 and verse 7. And declares that God the Son is God. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 8, our Lord Jesus is heard, or God the Father speaks to the Lord Jesus saying, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. The Lord hath said unto my Lord, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. And then in Acts chapter 5. God the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, you remember when Ananias and Sapphira sold a portion, a portion of their ground and brought part of the money and gave it to the, to the apostles, laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said to him, Simon, or Ananias, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? And then he said, you've lied not to men but to God. So he speaks of God the Holy Ghost and says that he also is God. Someone accurately stated it this way. The father is all the fullness of the Godhead invisible all the fullness of the Godhead invisible the son is all the fullness of the Godhead manifested the spirit is all the fullness of the Godhead acting immediately upon the creature now I must confess my inability to produce a single argument drawn from nature or drawn from logic to prove the doctrine of the Trinity can't do it I've read several I've heard several but I've never seen one yet that can illustrate or prove the doctrine of the Trinity it is a mystery filled with such grandeur that it defies comprehension of every finite mind but our faith does not stand upon nature nor upon logic our faith stands upon the Word of God alone I believe this doctrine because it is revealed in Holy Scripture, and I see it clearly because I believe it. (laughs) Now let me tell you, that's the only way you'll ever understand anything in the Word of God, is to believe it believe it. Somebody said, well prove it and then I'll believe it. No, you got the cart before the horse. You'll bow to God's authority. You will bow to God's revelation. You will submit to God's truth or you will perish in your sins. Now when you bow to God's revelation when you bow to God's authority, when you submit to God's truth and you believe that which God has spoken, then you begin to understand it. Until then you never can understand it. Now, without question, the Bible clearly teaches the doctrine of the Trinity. But secondly, I want you to see that all three persons in the Godhead are equally gracious. That brings us back to Ephesians 1. Hold your Bibles open there. Ephesians chapter 1. This is what Paul shows us in these first 14 verses of Ephesians 1. As the three persons of the Godhead are equal in divinity, but distinct in personality, so all three persons in the Godhead are equal in grace, but distinct in the operations of grace. God the Father is set before us here as the fountain of all grace. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him. "...in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved." It was God the Father who in the covenant of grace proposed redemption, devised the plan, and chose the people whom he would save by his almighty grace." God the Father found a way whereby His banished ones should not be expelled from Him. And then in the fullness of time, God the Father sent His Son into the world to redeem those people whom He purposed to redeem and save from eternity. So that as George Whitfield put it, the Father is the fountain of the deity. He is the fountain of all grace. You trace grace back to its origin, trace all the blessings of grace back to their source and you'll see that they spring from the infinite eternal compassionate heart of God Almighty who purposed to save us before ever the world was now look at the next verses God the Son the Lord Jesus Christ is the channel of all grace in verse 7 we read in whom that is in Christ we have redemption through his blood which is the forgiveness of sins If you understand the language of the New Testament or uh, even understand the English language and read this verse when Paul says we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins you might want to write somewhere in your Bible an equal sign (laughs) because he's saying redemption equals the forgiveness of sins so that if you have been redeemed your sins are forgiven and there is no such thing as a sinner who is redeemed who is not forgiven of sin. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ what a word of grace all grace comes to sinners through Christ the mediator in this chapter Paul tells us 14 times 14 times just in this chapter that all the blessings of grace all that God has for sinners all that God requires of sinners and all that God gives to sinners is in Jesus Christ everything Christ is the mediator through whom alone God deals with men Christ is the mediator through whom alone men approach God He is the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father, but by him. What are you saying pastor? I'm saying this am I chosen of God? Yes, sir. I'm chosen in Christ Am I blessed of God? Yes, sir. I'm blessed of God in Jesus Christ. Am I predestinated by God? Indeed, I have been, and I have been predestinated to be like Jesus Christ. Am I adopted as a child of God? Yes, indeed. Adopted in Christ. Am I accepted by God? The word accepted means the object of God's Pleasure, The object of God's delight. The object of God's complete satisfaction. Yes, sir. I'm accepted in Christ the beloved. Am I redeemed by God? Redeemed in Christ. Am I forgiven of sin by God Almighty? Forgiven in Christ. Do I know the living God? Only in Jesus Christ, but indeed in Jesus Christ. Do I have an inheritance with God? I do indeed in Christ Jesus the Lord am I called of God that I am called in Christ I hope you see what I'm saying all grace comes to us from God the Father through Jesus Christ the mediator who is God the Son there is no other way of grace no other way that the grace of God can reach a sinner let no rejecter of God Who is the Son? (laughs) No rejecter of the Son who is God. Imagine that he shall be a beneficiary of God's grace. It is the work of Christ upon the cross that has brought grace and justice together in the salvation of sinners. Through his blood and only through his blood mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other blissfully lost in the contemplation of God's matchless grace in Christ John Bunyan penned these rapturous words let me read them to you hope you can get them Oh thou son of the blessed grace stripped thee of thy glory grace brought thee down from heaven Grace made thee bear such burdens of sin, such burdens of curse as are unspeakable. Grace was in thy heart. Grace came bubbling up from thy bloody side. Grace was in thy tears. Grace was in thy prayers. Grace strained from thy thorn-crowned brow. Grace came forth with the nails that pierced thee, with the thorns that pricked thee. Oh, here are unsearchable riches of grace. Grace to make sinners happy grace to make angels wonder grace to make devils astonished (laughs) All the blessings of grace come to sinners from God the Father through Jesus Christ the mediator The fountain of all grace is the father the channel of all grace is the son and thirdly God the Holy Spirit is the administrator of all grace look in verse 13 In whom Ye also trusted After that ye heard the word of truth The gospel of your salvation In whom also after that ye believed Not a long time after Not a second or two after But in consequence of believing Having believed ye were sealed With that Holy Spirit of promise Which is the earnest of our inheritance Until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory it is God the Holy Spirit who effectually applies the blood of Christ to God's elect he comes and regenerates the dead by omnipotent power he calls the redeemed with irresistible grace he gives faith to those who have no faith by the almighty operations of his grace He seals God's elect unto everlasting glory. Now without the gracious operations of God the Holy Spirit in conversion, no sinner would ever become the beneficiary of grace. He takes the things of Christ and shows them to us. He takes the blood of Christ, which has effectually obtained eternal redemption for us, and as your pastor has been teaching, he sprinkles it upon the heart. And purges the dead conscience from dead works. Giving us life in Jesus Christ the Lord. And he seals us. (laughs) He seals us in grace. Shelby and I put up a good sized garden every year. Our garden didn't do much this year. But we had some tomatoes. Made some tomato juice. And I help out. My job is putting the salt in and putting the lids on. (laughs) And so at night we'd be up late at night making that tomato juice and after we've run it through that sieve with that little bat and got everything fixed up, I put the salt in there, put the lids on, tighten them down, set them over in a hot water bath, take them off. And sit there and listen. Listen for it go ping, 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 and watch. See if those things pop down just right. And that stuff's sealed. So that in the day of winter, when nobody else has got fresh tomatoes and fresh tomato juice, I go open up a can of tomato juice and sit down and drink it. And as long as it's sealed, as long as the seal's not broken, it'll sit right there, preserved and kept. Now, God the Holy Spirit has sealed every believer in the grace of God and sealed the grace of God to every believer so that there is no possibility of one redeemed chosen believing sinner ever perishing because his seal can never be broken he sealed us unto everlasting life C.D. Cole puts it this way he conquers the stoutest hearts and cleanses the foulest spiritual leper He opens the sin-blinded eyes and unstops the sin-closed ears. The blessed spirit reveals the grace of the Father and applies the grace of the Son and seals every believer in that grace. All three persons in the Godhead are equally gracious and all three must be praised. Now one last thing. No doctrine in the Bible more forcibly inspires unity among believers than the doctrine of the Trinity. I want you to turn to John 17. And I want you to see that I've not been talking to you this evening about some abstract point of theology that has no bearing upon the way we live in this world. But rather I'm talking to you about a subject so far above our comprehension that it should inspire the deepest reverence and the deepest humility, as well as the most circumspect consecration and unity. Now in our baptism, you and I have avowed our consecration to the triune God. That's what baptism is. Being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we have publicly declared our consecration and commitment to God our Savior, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 26, nearly 27 years ago, I was barely, just had, hadn't quite turned 17 years old yet. I just just almost 17 I got in a pool like this one and was buried symbolically confessing that I was crucified with Christ and that being crucified with Christ I depend and trust his blood his righteousness his death for the complete atonement of my sins and my entire acceptance with God and then I rose up out of the grave confessing to all the world that I was a new creature in Christ and I'd been given new life and publicly avowing to God and before men that I would walk in the newness of life from now on. That's what baptism is, isn't it, Pastor? It's a public confession of Jesus Christ and personal commitment to Him in His kingdom. What does that mean? That means I consecrate myself continually from that day to this To obey the will of God my Father To live for the glory of God the Son my Redeemer And to submit to the leadership of God the Holy Spirit in the direction of my life Now that's what we said we'd do let's do it (laughs) Let's do it Defer not to pay the vow But pay that which thou owest the scripture declares And let every thought about the Holy Trinity Stimulate in us a desire That we may be one even as God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one Listen to this passage out of our Lord's Prayer in John 17 verse 20 Neither pray I for these alone That is not just for this little band of disciples here but for them also which shall believe on me through their word and this is what I pray that they all may be one. Oh, what a prayer that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us; that the world may believe, as a result of their unity. Is that what it say? As a result of their oneness, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent me, and the glory which Thou gavest me, I have given them; that they may be one. Even as we are What a word J.M. Pendleton Made this statement but before I give you a statement. Let me tell you who Pendleton was Pendleton was a Baptist preacher in the middle 1800s who was pastoring in Memphis, Tennessee When the Civil War broke out This godly man Had very strong convictions against the policies of the South in slavery, which caused him grave, grave difficulty in his pastorate. And with a heavy heart he resigned his pastorate in Memphis and moved back to Pennsylvania. And some years later he wrote these words. Who can think of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one? one in nature, one in love, one in purpose, and not hope for the day when the intercessory prayer of Christ will be answered in the union of all his followers. Oh, let us then earnestly devote ourselves as the sons and daughters of the triune God to unity that we may be one in purpose the glory of God one in purpose if our purpose Chris is the glory of God nothing in earth or hell can divide us nothing let us be one in our labor laboring together in the cause of Christ and let us be one in love The Apostle Paul speaks to the Philippian believers and to us like this. He says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves look not every man on his own things but every man on the things of others what on earth is he telling us I promise you I promise you Gary Borders and Jack Shanks will never get out of sorts with one another if each esteems the other better than himself it'll never happen it'll just never happen impossible can't happen You and I will never get out of sorts with each other if we each look not on our own things, but on the things each of the other. Let us then walk together in patience with one another, esteeming one another in love for Christ's sake, forgiving one another as we walk together in this world, even as we have been forgiven of our God walking together f- with forbearance one for another and giving deference one to the other. <laughs> I don't know why we can do that everywhere except in the house of God. You men and women have been living together for a while and you who haven't been living together for too long. <laughs> how on earth do you get along? You give in. That's how you get along. Sure you do. And... Wants things this way and his wife says, Well, all right. Just forget it. And occasionally, wife wants things this way and husband says, Well, all right. You just give in. Nothing matters. Nothing really matters. I mean it's not it's not like you're sacrificing your life. It's not it's not like you're not like you're compromising the truth of God. You just give in. And that's how you get along in the kingdom of God. You want something? Want something done? I want to do something that doesn't in any way alter our ministry together in the cause of Christ? Go ahead. (laughs) That's all right. And if you goof up, I'll forgive you. That's what it is. That's what it is to walk together in unity as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. And one of these days... We shall be one in glory oh My soul you listen to these words The glory which thou gavest me I have given them Jack that means Everything the God-man as our mediator has earned and received In his divine God-man glory, he gives to you, and to me, and to you. And we shall forever be one in him. Oh, for grace now to be one in him.